from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose leaf and common broken leaf tea bags. So yeah, no, check them out, check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Donner. Check out the show notes to find a good deal at Donner. Like the sound of this? This is the Donner Island Delay. And the really cool Donner LP that I've shown off on, like, Instagram? Check it out. Uh, They've got some really good summer deals. And check out their snap deals as well. Use the link in the show notes to help support the show. Get yourself some cool musical instruments, maybe some patch chords. Cool. Hey, everyone. Just reminding you, we have t-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com, check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shelf curtains in there. Keep clean, look cool, have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon and get a free sticker. Or don't, it's up to you. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, T.B. Spitzer in Farmer Days, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hello everyone. Gather round, it is I, D.B. Spitzer, and, as always, 
to my Ralph the Rooster. <laughs> Ralph the Rooster. Uh, Ralph. Ralph is saying hi. Okay. And to my virtual right, as always, you've just heard his voice. The one, the only, David Farmer Dave Heath. Dave, how the heck is it going this week? I am well, and to my virtual right is Ralph, the emotional support rooster. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still in interview mode from when we had President Biden in town. I got to talk to him for like half a second, um, and then they like jerked me away, and they're like, "That's he just talks about space monsters. You don't have to tell him anything. And... Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> we really shouldn't have just said that the president only talks about space monsters. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, well. Yeah. No. Um. I mean, if 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 it was Nixon, we could have talked to Nixon about space monsters. He would have been a, he would have been all about space monsters. But I can't necessarily say I would have wanted to talk to Nixon. But hey, that's that's where we are right now. Uh, yeah. So, so there was though, uh, as the, the president, you know, before he left, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he did have a, a meeting with a mysterious oh, I saw figure. That. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, who uh, was wearing an overcoat and large, um, uh, large, uh, floppy hat. Uh-huh. It's about the height of three baby goats standing on top of each other. Yeah. And he has agreed to increase the re- financing to raising subsidies. Ooh. Okay, so my first thought was it was Carmen San Diego, but I don't know who would, in a floppy hat and a trench coat, would want to raise raisin subsidies. So, all right. I don't know. That's a mystery not for minion. another day. He doesn't eat them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, we'll look into that. I'll, I'll, I'll ask around town. Maybe someone in Oblivions knows. It. Speaking of yeah, Oblivions. Who, 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 would, who would know who these mysterious person was? I don't know. I don't know. But speaking of Oblivions, uh, join us next month, or uh, sorry, next week, which will be next month, uh, at Oblivions for the May Chili Cook-Off. And that's going to be out on the back patio at Oblivions. Uh, $5 entry, winner walks away with all the entries. Okay, so what are we talking about this week, Dave? So we were talking about... um, Innsmouth out mouth, and we've got some experts on Innsmouth mm-hmm. and Hyperboreans. But I got one, I got one last little presidential for you. Oh, sure, sure. So, everybody, of course, you know, the local band and mm-hmm. you know, Stinky Duck, the local punk band, was saying, Hail to the uh, Hail to the Chief. Yeah, who is the chief in the song Hail to the Chief. Oh, I don't know. So it is... Let me, I've forgotten his name, but he is not an American president. He is a Scottish war chief. Oh, interesting. The, uh, the song... So, so the, the verses are from uh, Walter Scott's uh, mm-hmm. poem, uh, The Lady in the Lake. Uh, and it is a, uh, it was a boat song, I believe. And it was uh, the Scottish war chieftain, Robert Dew, B-H-E-U. Oh. Is that like a Cthulhu name or what? Wow, that's... So yeah. yeah, so when we sing Hail to the Chief, we're actually playing a tribute to a Scottish war chief. Wow, I did not know that. That's some pretty crazy stuff. That's... 
Yeah, that's interesting. All right. And if you want to find out more stuff like that, uh, remember to check out Dave's uh, Farmer Dave Trivia every Tuesday night, 8.30 at Oblivion's Family Pub and Grill. All right. And also, I got an email as a DM uh-huh. as things start getting down and it is no longer as crazy in Portland and uh-huh. COVID is going away. Oh, yeah. I'm getting a request for the Dave's Corner of Portland tours. Oh, cool. So if that's something that you're interested in, we're getting a few uh, requests and we'll hopefully start those again in the summer. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to come check them out. All right. So, let's see. Do we have any new business that we need to talk about? I, I feel like we're getting all the old I don't business. Know if you, I don't know if you hear the, the the babies walking around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, 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 <laughs> there's Chip. Chip is still complaining. Oh, goodness. Yeah. He, but he, he thinks that the earth... He doesn't like this gravity idea. I think that mud should be replaced with a giant bouncy house. Okay. Hmm. But, uh... (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, So, uh, we're going to be talking about Innsmouth. Innsmouth. Yeah. Yeah, or Innsmouth, as some people, you know. Uh, People who are going to be like, well, you know, Portsmouth is pronounced Portsmouth and this is pronounced this myth and that's pronounced that myth and Ipswich and no that's that's not even spelled the right way uh but yeah no no um if if we're gonna go off of like I don't know Britishy east coast pronunciations of towns with the word mouth in it it's generally myth uh I don't know from saying it fast several hundred years <laughs> yeah what what Welcome to the English. Welcome to the English language. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Innsmouth. Innsmouth is a fictional town in Lovecraft's uh, Massachusetts. In Lovecraft country, it is kind of close to where Marblehead, I believe, should be. Although Marblehead does exist in the Cthulhu mythos as well. Uh, there's there's uh, islands and it's 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 actually if you look where Innsmouth is supposed to be, it's a state park, I believe. Uh, I don't recall the name of the state park off the top of my head, but I've I've, I've covered this in the past. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't I want to say like Plum Island or something like that is the uh, island off the the, the island off the uh, coast of Massachusetts that. Uh, Is that really? Because I own a square foot, I think, of Plum Island. Huh. Is the one in Plum Island, isn't that the island that Cards Against Humanity bought? And and then if you join their Christmas thing, you actually literally own a square foot of Plum Island? I have no idea. (laughs) Oh, I'll look it. So I own some island off of Massachusetts Uh uh because I signed up for Cards Against Humanity's Christmas thing. Oh. I, I actually own a square foot of that island. I have a little deed to it and everything. Oh wow, that's cool. That's I cool. thought it was Plum Island, but yeah, yeah, I think it's Plum Island. Uh, that is kind of like roughly where the Devil's Reef or that stuff would be. Um, I think it's it's been a while. So yeah, we'll, 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 we'll we'll do some research <laughs> during the the break. So sure, sure. So, so, 
this is not our new trick to pretend we don't know stuff yeah. and then make you guys listen the whole show in anticipation. <laughs> but uh, what, what stuff do we know off the top of our head to be true about Innsmouth? The only one, it's probably only one Lovecraft story is set there, really. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, it's mentioned, sure. but it's it's only one. Uh, and it is with the exception to Arkham and arguably maybe even more so in Ar- than Arkham. Mm-hmm. It's the most detailed setting. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, you might want to argue... Um, Kingsport's fairly detailed, but not nearly as detailed. We don't know, like, histories about Kingsport. We know bits and pieces, but I feel like uh, the two towns that we do know a fair amount about, it is Arkham and Innsmouth. And and arguably Dunwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like we know as much about Dunwich as we do Kingsport, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it's very detailed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um... And we and uh, Robert Olmsted in the uh-huh. story are the outsiders. Yes. Now, now we talk a little bit about that when I talk to uh, the uh, gentleman from uh, the Innsmouth Book Club. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Robert Olmsted's name is never mentioned. Yeah. We we get that from the from notes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 it, it, it always struck me weird when people would like say, "Oh yeah, this person's name is Robert Olmsted," and I'm like, "Where do, where do we get that name? Is it from another book? Did someone like?" And it's like, "Oh, did, uh, I don't know, block so, so or it, someone it, write it, a, it, yeah, yeah." You know, it did apparently appear in a, a first draft. Okay, okay. And but and it definitely several letters to I, I think Clark Ashton Smith. Uh-huh. And Robert E. Howard, but it could have been others, where he describes my character Robert Olmsted uh, is going to go to this town. So that that's where the so the name is Lovecraftian. Okay, but it's not Nez. I mean, it's Lovecraft, but it's not from the text. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, yeah, no, because it. I feel like in instances of this, like let's say the Ugnots from Empire Strikes Back. People knew that their name were Ugnots because of a trading card, but unless you knew about that trading card or had a friend who had that trading card, you didn't know the name of those ugly little guys that tore apart C-3PO. Um, Ewoks is not mentioned. The word Ewoks is not mentioned exactly. in the original trilogy. That's another one. That's another one right there. But we get information later that says that they're Ewoks, so it's like, okay, Robert Olmsted. Okay. Uh, who are some... And, and so there are a lot of... Uh, uh, there are... I mean, there are a lot of... Innsmouth based deep one based books sure where Olmsted returns like as a full oh a full full um, yeah deep one but but they're written much later like in the 60s 70s sure, you know yeah. the 21st century mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah okay okay cool cool uh Innsmouth what do we know about Innsmouth Innsmouth is a fishing town but it's also a mining town or a refinery town Refinery Town. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So the, the, the big moneymaker in Innsmouth is the refinery. Where does the gold come from? Who knows? The ocean. <laughs> the ocean. Yes. The ocean. That's what we know is that uh, what, what the public knows is the gold comes from the ocean. The gold comes in boats. Uh, just, just like um, the fishing. I think there was a, a fair amount of fishing at one point in time in Innsmouth. 
Um, and all this happened before the Civil War. Uh, I want to say the 1840s is when uh, Captain Obed Marsh came back and went, Hey, look what I brought back from the South Pacific. A wife and a bunch of gold. And everyone's like, hey, we want to do what you do. Well, you just got to follow some simple rules. <laughs> yeah. Join our little club. Join our Give club. Christianity mm -hmm. and maybe sacrifice a few people. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. So we have uh, Obed Marsh coming back to Innsmouth from the South Pacific with a bride, with gold, with all kinds of information. And then the outside world starts to hear about some sort of plague or something like that, some sort of fever. Uh, the church gets shut down, the new church gets up, uh, and Innsmouth starts to become isolated. Um, yeah. So, so when I when I talk with uh, uh, the interview part, we're going to mention it too, uh -huh. but a little bit historically, this area is going to be greatly changed. When America goes from whale oil yeah. to kerosene. Sure. So a lot of these towns are going to disappear. Yeah. Or, or, or become sh you know, shells of what they were. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so, you know, obviously Boston's still going to be a huge port city and yeah, stuff. And, yeah. But, but a lot of these cities, which, you know, um, it would be today as if all of a sudden we went from, you know, fossil fuels to electric cars overnight. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, Detroit, all these car factory stuff would just disappear. Sure. Uh, and so there was this sort of depression, mm -hmm. economic depression. Yeah. Which becomes sort of a cultural depression. As people move out, or they be kind of kind of so, so Lovecraft is definitely reporting, is describing something that really happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but on steroids. Sure. Yeah. 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 No, and that that is something that is interesting about Lovecraft's writing, is Lovecraft tends to take things that he read about in you know journals, uh, magazines. Uh, books, whatnot. His Smash travels. Him. Yeah, his own travels, uh, stories that his friends have told him, and just his own living experiences, takes them and exaggerates them in multiple directions. And that is a good way to describe this story of a group of people taking over a town to the point where it's... Oh, it's it's got secret societies. It's got... Uh, kind of like um, a group of people that don't look like the outside world taking over. I, I mean, to some extent, there's got to be some of Lovecraft's racism thrown in here. Just <laughs> yes, and, and, and it's a little bit different too. That I want to kind of add on there. Yeah, and also I wanted to throw in Lovecraft's hatred for the poor, <laughs> the hatred of the poor and hatred of fish. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's 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 he, like he hates fish. Uh huh. Yeah, um, but we we and to and this happens too. This it was not a, a it was a real thing. It happens, you know, 
during the Second Great Awakening, mm -hmm. where a new church is comes up and ends up dominating a city. Yeah, yeah. We are going to see this on a national scale, mm -hmm. uh, historically, and um, the Mormons in Missouri. Oh, okay. In Illinois. Uh, before they flee to Utah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but but we see it now too. Yeah, we we see, um, you know, what 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 do we remember Waco for? Oh Football yeah, French and, Davidians and yeah, you know, not too far from here we have, you know, the Bhagwan Rajneesh. Yep, you know, yep. so so yes, and there were a lots, especially. Um, and this would be a hundred to fifty years after or before Lovecraft wrote, but mm -hmm. this idea of small religious communities taking over and being towns, yeah, uh, especially New York and the Midwest, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not new. It's something that no. yeah. Yeah. that, that he, the audience would accept. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Now. Something else too, and, and and to some degree, and I admit it, I am a Lovecraft apologist, and you're absolutely right that the sort of genetics comes in. Yeah. But with Olmstead too, I think we see Lovecraft's subconscious fear. Sure. That both his parents died in mental institutions. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And, and so. He is tapping into his fear that his genes could be wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Finding out that Robert Olmsted is of a fancy family and that he's an antiquarian who enjoys traveling on buses and just kind of like finding out about his family. That is so Lovecraftian. That is that is like Lovecraft. And then finding out that your family is... Uh, divergent of what you thought uh, that oh my goodness yeah no no I I wonder how much you know it's like a personal thought I wonder how much Lovecraft thought about his parents and mental illness and just kind of like I don't know you you could kind of see I mean if you're in his position you could see a sort of degeneracy happening with your family with your family losing all of its stuff with uh, you know, mental health and, uh, which, I mean, it wasn't necessarily mental health as much as it was, um, syphilis, but, uh, going to a uh, mental institution nonetheless was what happened to both of his parents. So, yeah. And, and, and we also get this influence and somebody who has read more of his letters, mm -hmm. because I don't think he was very public with many people other than maybe Sonia Green about this. Sure. But syphilis, it was carried on to children. Yeah, yeah. And and there's this, and there's no evidence. And Lovecraft has had these very mysterious medical stuff. Mm -hmm. There's no real evidence that it got carried on to him from his, his father's syphilis. Yeah. But, and this was not something that Lovecraft was very open about. Mm -hmm. But there was maybe some fears that he had basically was suffering the sins of the father sure and this is very much and, and and i use this as a trope not saying sins 
this is very much a trope of the sins of the father's story. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And we, we, I feel like we get that quite a bit in various Lovecraft stories. Uh, we, it just seems like such a theme of the character, the character or characters in the present having to pay a heavy sum for something that someone did in the past. Whether it be uh, Arthur Germain, whether it be uh, Wilbur Waitley's family, I mean the Delapores, the Delapores, yeah, yeah. There's, um, there, there seems to be a fair amount of that, and when there isn't a fair amount of that, there's other things that seem to be like fairly large issues in his life involving uh, race, economics. Uh, and seafood. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, but, you know, and death and uh, the more gothic tropes uh, that Lovecraft uses. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This weird combination of uh, Dunsanian. Uh, oh, goodness. Dunsanian unreality. I don't know really what to call it. Um, Dunsanian whimsy mixed with like gothic horror to create Poe. What's that? Edgar Allan Poe. What about Edgar Allan Poe? It's Dunsane. He tries to do Dunsane mixed with Poe. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's, yeah, yeah. It has that like uh, very kind of like gothic feel, but also that kind of like whimsical ancient world that uh, Dunsane. Definitely, definitely. Like I can, I, I feel like uh, you could have had Dr. Seuss illustrate Dunsany's books, and it wouldn't have felt off. Uh, not, not true with Edgar Allan Poe, mind you. But yeah. Um, anyway, we're talking about Insmith, not Lovecraft's writing in general. Uh, <laughs> and one thing that I always want to bring up when I talk about Insmith is Zadok Allen, uh, the person who gives us all the information. This is not a Lovecraft stand-in by any chance. Um, but, but he is an unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator, yes. Uh, we have a person who, we, I mean, this 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 uh, makes me think, oh, okay, so it's not just a bunch of people hiding in their houses. Like, they're also making uh, hooch. They're making bootleg uh, gin or whatever that Zadok has to, you know, get, or, 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 or the narrator has to get so Zadok Allen will even talk about what's happened. Um, yeah, no, and it's, it's like I'm surprised that like, you know, when the narrator goes and buys the hooch for Zadok that that then and there, they don't just like grab him and go, ah, we got you now. But, <laughs> yeah. but I guess it's just easier to uh, all uh, convene at a hotel and then chase a guy. But I mean... I don't feel like, okay, if anyone's listening to this podcast and they haven't read, uh, if, if they haven't read, um, this, this, this story, if they don't know about Innsmouth, if, you know, it's, it's, it's not like I'm telling you the, spoilers. Uh, yeah, I, I don't need to say spoilers. It's, 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 uh, the shadow over Innsmouth, it's what, almost a hundred years old. It's. It's been made into multiple movies, and I don't feel like we have to say spoiler alert, 
but if you do want to see movies based off of this story, based off of the shadow over Innsmouth and having Innsmouth in it, I know that there is the Stuart Gordon film that takes place in Spain in Zabuca uh, called Dagon, which Dagon. is a combination of Dagon, a combination of Shadow Over Innsmouth, and then just some Lovecraftiana thrown in for fun. Um, I'm sure you've seen it, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, beautiful movie. Sure. Hyper gory. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Hyper gory movie. I'm just warning people coming, but 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 light colors, cinematography. It's a beautiful movie. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I remember there was that uh, Cthulhu movie. It was a queer horror movie. Um, I know Tori Spelling was in it. I think that was the big name in it. Yes. And I didn't see it at any film festivals. I rented it at Movie Madness uh, in Portland and a billion years ago. And I want to say that if it wasn't based in Innsmouth, if it wasn't, it was supposed to be based in Innsmouth or Kingsport and that kind of like, I don't know, Lovecraftian coast. Uh, yeah. That, that, yeah, it's it's not quite the Miskatonic Valley, but it's still Lovecraft country. It's just the coast. Um, yeah. What uh, what other uh, things do you think we should uh, mention? So, so one thing, Zadig Allen or Zadig Allen, mm-hmm. um, he is he he sort of, and I don't think he calls it the Elder Sign. I think he actually calls it like the old the old one sign. Yeah. But it, this sort of, you know, and, and he describes it as kind of looking like a swastika. Hmm. Uh, I always thought it was sort of maybe instead of Z's, like S's. Mm-hmm. When, you know, and this Lovecraft designed it, it looks more like a tree branch. Mm-hmm. And then in this one of the few times that he was just so much more cooler than Lovecraft, Derelith makes that star with the eye in it with the flame. Yeah, yeah. So that that that's Derelith. But this is one of the first stories where we take this and you take Mountains of Madness mm-hmm. and you kind of get in this idea where it's basing this idea of the Derelithian heresy of the 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 war in heaven. The the elder gods, even though you know it Lovecraft never talks about elder gods. He talks about elder... I mean, when Lovecraft talks about elder gods, he's talking about Romans and Greeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But this is sort of where there was somebody fighting. Mm -hmm. And they created something for... Maybe not for men to defend themselves, Mm -hmm. but that they to... But for the purpose of her hurting the deep ones. Sure. And then, you know, as Ken Hike says, and then it goes from there to almost like crucifix Dracula. Yeah, yeah. But this is where we sort of, this is, I believe, the first where we really sort of talks about the Elder Sign. Mm-hmm. But again, it's being told by an unreliable narrator. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the other thing is, the the shadow over Innsmouth has um one of the few action scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as I mentioned, the hotel uh, yes. has has like one of the few action scenes that you'll find in a Lovecraft story, which just 
it feels so out of place, but also at the same time, it's exciting. It's like, did did Lovecraft just like expend expend all that 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 thought process that he had? Was it as he like later like, oh yeah, I know that was nice and everything, but ugh, took so much work. Uh, <laughs> or and, and, yeah, oh, oh yeah. and the other thing with Luciano, it's one of the times that the government gets involved. Yeah. Yeah, normally it's like, oh, it's a spooky thing that happened in the middle of nowhere, and we took care of it, or it's it's just gonna, you know, it's like it's still out there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like uh, if you go with um, goodness, uh, shadow shadow uh, out of space or uh, color out of space. It's yeah. like the government should have been brought in once that guy figured out what was going. Um, and same thing with uh, as soon as anything started happening in Dunwich for the Dunwich horror. I mean, why are those guys like consulting the Necronomicon when they should be like, I don't know, consulting the National Guard? <laughs> exactly. But but, you know, even though they succeed, mm-hmm. they think they want they fail yeah yeah the government you know the government fails and, and, and i will say there's not a lot but i have found a couple of things online where the raid on Innsmouth are is treated as a true event yeah yeah and so and so people lovecraft was not inspired by a true event mm-hmm. now Absolutely, were there raids on coastal towns that were, uh, I mean, revenueers, and, and so yes, there were abs- yeah, there were there were uh, rum runners. That, oh yeah, that were based, but but this huge thing where, uh, and you know, I love Delta Green. I think is the one brought up brings up the Marines from Nicaragua. Yep, yep, that were out there, and so so. So yes, there were raids on coastal towns sure. during Prohibition, mm-hmm. but nothing like this. Nothing because of this guy saying that they're crazy fish people. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It was it was more like yeah, definitely. As you were talking about like rum uh, and gin and stuff like that uh, being brought out on uh, boats in the harbor. And uh, then, like, rowboats bringing in... I've, I've watched so much stuff about Prohibition. I think Prohibition is just fascinating. But, yeah, no, no. And um, thinking about that, how that relates to that, um, it's it's interesting. And it's like Zadok Allen talked about, like... Uh, and it kind of makes me feel like the reverse of it, of, like, uh, Lovecraft taking stories from the real world and then adding things to it. Zadok Allen talking about how... Uh, everyone outside thought it was scarlet fever or something like that what was going on and what was happening why they weren't communicating and why they had quarantined themselves and just to it's like I love the fact that Zadok Allen is an unreliable narrator because of the fact that he is a homeless alcoholic who lives in a town but because of the fact that he's different than everyone like they don't kill him and ah, it's 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 like what do you believe and what don't you believe? And... So let, let 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 let's 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 get conspiratorial here. Sure, sure. Is he? Is he incorrect? Is he what he claimed to be? Oh, y- you know what? Um, part of me is like, yeah, no, no, because 
Um, I, I really feel like Zadok Allen is who he claims to be and that he's or not. Or what if he's a plant? Yeah, that's what, that's. what if he's a high elder or the <laughs> or esoteric order of Dagon and they know that, that who, you know, Olmstead is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they want him to get comfortable or at least think about these ideas. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, now there's no there's no way to there's nothing said or later said that that's the way Lovecraft wrote it. Oh sure, sure. But but he does you know as he is introduced he introduces a whole lot of new ideas to Olmsted. Yeah, yeah. But I I feel like that's kind of like the uh, it, when you're in a horror movie and you feel comfortable with the place, then you feel uneasy. And then, like the uh, insider, the insider who's an outsider, the yeah, the harbinger, the harbinger trope, uh, who who's like, you damn kids, don't go to that camp, stay off that mountain, whatever it is. Uh, you know, you have the harbinger who comes up to our main character and says, well, or you know, doesn't say, but more or less, the exchange of booze for uh, information is made and it's it's a story within the story and it, I feel like the stories within a story thing is very so much of like a gothic uh, trope uh, the newspaper article within the story the the unreliable narrator part within the story it's like a story within a story and the shadow over Innsmouth has it and I think that's amazing and uh, yeah, no, no. As we're saying, like, is is he a plant or is he not? I I don't feel like the story is trying to even make you think anything about that. Like, the way that I've always felt about the story is probably like you know, it's like if the Innsmouth, uh, if Innsmouth had like the Innsmouth Times or you know the Innsmouth Bugle or anything like that. Uh, you know, a week later there would have been some story about like. Uh, local eccentric Zadok Allen found floating in the water. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I think uh, Zadok Allen paid a heavy price for probably what uh, he said to Olmstead. And if Olmstead is then later becomes a deep one, Olmstead's going to know that there's a loose thread out there in Zadok Allen, someone who can tell information to outsiders. Either way, I don't think Zadok Allen, either through uh, his his extreme age and alcoholism, or for what he's been telling people about the Deep Ones, Zadok Allen isn't going to make it very much longer. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, I, definitely, I think that's the way that Lovecraft wrote it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, but I think it's sort of interesting to explore with this sort of post x files post cia you know eyes that you know um yeah they let them live for pretty long and it's it and and olmstead doesn't challenge this no 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 he doesn't olmstead olmstead somewhere and and again you could argue and i think that that was i mean you always a good story. You always read and stuff, and then you tell the author, "Oh yeah, I wish I thought about that." Yeah. But but you know, it, it in ways, Zadok Allen gets Olmstead ready for his conversion. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, because um, Olmstead wouldn't have even really known what was going on there or what mm -hmm. anything. He just would have been like, oh, okay, there's nothing here. And I don't know, um, like uh, Sergeant's bus and stuff like that. He probably wouldn't have stuck around as long if it wasn't for Zadok. Uh, missed his uh, bus and uh, having yeah. to stay overnight. And one last thing before we get on to the, the interviews here. Sure, sure. It's an interesting comparison between Robert Olmsted mm -hmm. and the unnamed narrator from the festival. Yeah, yeah. They both are basically in the same situation other than arguably the character in the festival knew more. Yeah. He, he was returning. Oh, he sure. He still has yeah. some memories, but when he sees it, he really sort of wigs out. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a... I'll have to sit down. I haven't until right now thought about this. Sort of read one and then read the other. Maybe simultaneously read a page, read a page, or yeah. read one back. But yeah, it's sort of an interesting comparison between um, uh, between you know uh, Olmstead and, and the, the narrator uh, of the festival. Sure, yeah, yeah. And I feel like you could like group that... Uh, those two and the outsider and you have like three perspectives yeah. of the other I mean it's like uh, in the outsider you have someone who knows everything about themselves except for the fact that maybe they're a ghoul <laughs> exactly. and then you have uh, you have someone who's returning to Kingsport uh, they knew a whole bunch of stuff but it doesn't seem like they're upset by it and then you have Olmstead who is terrified by this place, doesn't want to be a part of it, is almost captured by these people who he is positive are going to probably kill him. Um, and maybe they don't know he's Olmstead. Maybe they would have killed him. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no sign that while he's being pursued in the hotel that they have any idea who he is other than an outsider who knows too much. Mm. And I, I, I don't feel like there's any indication except for in like the last part that anyone recognized Olmstead or knew anything about Olmstead. He didn't really have the Insmith look. Um, and if we do talk about people who have the Insmith look in Arkham or uh, in um, uh, yeah, Arkham, Massachusetts, uh, we have Azaneth Waite, uh, we have Joe Sargent, and we have anyone who kind of has, uh, like, I, I, oh, good. I'm trying to think of who was briefly mentioned as having the Innsmith look. And I think it is Azaneth Waite. Um, yes, she does have, so yes, and she does have family from. As, as do her servants, I guess, have that yes. fishy smell in the Innsmith look. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that, 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 that just, uh, I don't know. It it makes me really kind of question how, you know, did the people in Innsmouth think that Olmstead was a deep one if he didn't look? But maybe there's some sort of like, I don't know, magical aura that only deep ones can see. And since he hadn't gotten to that point, he hadn't uh, developed that sense. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm like trying to explain a story that doesn't need explaining. And you know, it's headcanon. Yeah. And 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 Robert Price brings out 
there is a technical problem mm-hmm. with the um, you know the shadow over Innsmouth. Okay. In the fact that Olmstead is writing in the present. Mm-hmm. Olmstead knows how this is going to end. Yeah. But he gives no hint to this to the reader mm-hmm. until the last couple of paragraphs. Sure. Um, and, and yes, I mean, that is a huge technical flaw in Shadow Rinsmith. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that if someone had pointed it out to him before it was published, Lovecraft would have burnt it. Yeah. With a lot of the other stories. Because there is this huge tech. So, but then again, there's a couple of headcanon ways to, to play this. Mm-hmm. Again, these are not Lovecraft. These are these are Farmer Dave ideas. Sure. Maybe Olmstead is still going between his Deep One persona and his human persona. Okay. So maybe he starts it out. The the the, the human side is more on. Mm-hmm. Maybe or maybe he is the unreliable narrator. Yeah, and he is too. Yeah. He yeah, is yeah. an unreliable because he at the very end he says, "Ha ha, I tricked you." Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a fishy guy. Yeah. Um. So in, in reality, it's a technical flaw of the sure. story. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a technical flaw that of all the people, Robert M. Price is the only one I've ever seen write out and pointed out at it. Almost everyone is willing to forgive that flaw. Yeah, I I don't know. It's something that's always irritated me, and I just feel like um, should have ended with the action sequence in the hotel without any... uh, without finding out anything about what happened to Robert Olmsted and then like having like an article on the raid on Innsmouth. Like oh, just, oh. just kind of leave it open about whether or not Olmsted even survived the raid. Or not told it in first person. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of done like, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, done. And, and here we are critiquing Lovecraft, but oh, sure. you yeah. know, done kind of like the thing at the doorstep mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where, the story is told by Olmstead's psychologist. Yeah, yeah, or or, you know, or, or or third person. Sure, definitely. definitely. Lovecraft, Lovecraft loved his first person. Oh yeah, yeah. But so that yeah, I mean there is this huge glaring, you know, shag off in the room mm-hmm. that there's this technical flaw of, of narration in the story. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of uh, Shagats, I want to. You know, remind everyone that Zadok Allen talked about how there's a Shoggoth in the, uh, the, the the harbor for Innsmouth and in the bay or whatever it is. And I just think that's so crazy that a guy who knows almost nothing about the Cthulhu mythos knows that there's a Shoggoth out there over by Plum Island. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's... It's like at that point in time, I don't even know if we really know what a Shoggoth is. If um, I can't remember who mm-hmm. came out first, if uh, Shadow Over Innsmouth came out before uh, At the Mountains of Madness. 
And, you know, if that's the case. And, and the, the other issue is that they both sat around for about a couple of years before okay. they were pub- published. Because gotcha. uh, uh, Lovecraft is pretty much going to give up re- writing after reviews from uh, The Mountains of Madness. Okay. Huh. Well, yeah. <laughs> but but he but he's going to be very prolific between when he writes it mm-hmm. and finally gets published and he gets those reviews. Okay. All right. Well, I can't think of anything else about the shadow over Insmith or Insmith in general. Um, you know what? I think, I, think it's we, a, I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah. I, just one final note. I have always kind of liked the concept of houses that are kind of in the water, like houses that have been in the same spot for so long that the ocean's starting to overtake them and whenever i see that whenever i see that it doesn't matter which coast i'm on it doesn't matter if it's a major river that i see it on or like an old lake i just always think of insmith or you know fish people deep ones whatnot but yeah anyway (laughs) uh before we go to that break everyone i just would like to say dave thank you so much for such getting interviews, going out there, talking to people, and getting stuff done. I appreciate it, and the listeners appreciate it greatly. And so today, because uh-huh. we've missed a couple of interviews, sure. But so we are interviewing three people. Okay. Because everyone knows podcasting is a numbers game. Yes, it is. So the three counts for the three I missed. Okay. And we have Insmith uh, Gold or the Insmith... Uh, book club. Sure. Uh, we have Tim Mendes. Nice. Uh, John Chadwick. Cool. And Rob Poyton. All right. Cool. Very cool. So yeah, up up next is that interview, and then after that, we're gonna do some D and D on D and D. So join us then. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Clary. Clary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Clary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20-watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a Glary. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. 
So this is the part of the show where I talk to somebody whose name is not DB. And to make it up to you guys, because we've missed a couple of interviews and you had to listen to just me talk, I've got not one. I got three people. I've got Tim Mendes, Rob Poyton, and John uh, Chadwick. Uh, and you guys are with uh, Innsmouth Gold. And uh, can you maybe introduce yourself? I think uh, several of you have been on the show before, but uh, maybe if the uh, listeners haven't heard, of, heard you yet. I, I tend to go third. Bob <laughs> <laughs> is first. I'm the hobby ghost of this trinity. <laughs> um, well, I'm John Chadwick. Um, I'm a, a writer, um, an illustrator. Uh, I used to work a lot in animation and teaching animation. And um, my background, I suppose, I, I come from a quite a paranormal background, which I think is probably... The thing that got me into Lovecraft. So um, yeah, and I'm the librarian in Innsmouth. Mm-hmm. I'm not a librarian. Sorry, I'm a museum curator. Is the museum curator? That's yes. it. Yeah. See you moment. That, that, that's okay. We, I, I'm sure that at certain times we all wear different hats. <laughs> yeah, dep- yeah. Though in, in Innsmouth, it's usually, usually those gold tiaras. Or John's now wearing a, yes. <laughs> a Viking helmet. He's now wearing a Viking helmet. For the, yeah, your yeah. listeners can't see that, but Johnny's actually now wearing a Viking helmet. I believe that was uh, that was a recent acquisition at the museum, wasn't it, John? It, it, it was actually. I mean, it, it's actually straight off a present a painting of Conan. Um, I, I was going to say, did you guys get it from uh, uh, Cross Plains, Texas Barbarians? <laughs> I, I think I might have actually got it from Tesco's. So I'm not sure. I can't remember. But, um, yeah, same thing. Turn it this way, name. it looks quite obscene. Um. Well, my name's Rob Poyton. I'm also a writer and a musician, and I set up Innsmouth Gold uh, as a small publishing outlet. So I put out my own books and also put out some anthologies as well. And about a year or so ago, or about 18 months ago, we set up the Innsmouth Book Club podcast, which uh, Tim and John both joined me on. So that's uh, that's my uh, superhero origin. As far as Lovecraft goes, I've been reading Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard since uh, a teenager, I guess. And uh, it's just something, it's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Tim Mendes. Uh, I'm a writer of The Weird and The, the Cosmic. Um, basically, I've got a bunch of loads of really weird tentacular stuff out there. Uh, yeah, I'm one of the co-hosts of the Innsmouth Book Club podcast. Uh, mildly, mildly obsessed with tentacles. So I've already said it like twice in oh. one sentence. So there we go. Aren't we all? Yeah, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah, I, I got into I got into weird fiction uh, from a very early age, and it was actually Blackwood's The, the Willows that did it. Mm. Uh, it's one of my earliest memories is being scared absolutely shitless when I went to uh, see my uncle's uncle on the farm in, in the river near the River Seven because there was a lot of ri- load of willows down on the river, yeah. and it was just like, no, I don't like this. So yeah, that's how I kind of got into it. Well, speaking of scary farms, uh, <laughs> so last last time uh, I you know visited you guys in Innsmouth, but this time you've been nice enough to come up here to Oleander, and so we're gonna have to sneak past the baby goats here, see if we wake them up, 
and <laughs> then get to the secret underground recording studio. Maybe someone will even follow us. So oh, let's my. see if we can sneak past the goats here. Oh, there's a lot of them, isn't there? Yeah. Trying to I'm disappointed hand, but... you haven't got one called Shubnagraf. Uh, don't me don't mention that name around the. Oh around yeah, that's the, a good point. Uh, around the thousand young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was the goat called in the witch? I can't remember. Black something. I can't remember. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My word. Definitely after my helmet. Yeah, yeah a, l a little of them, a little of them are um, are waking up. They just got fed, so they're taking a nap as we we head to the, the underground recording studio here. They may sneak in though. We and occasionally Ralph will sneak through the air vent. Oh, uh, we we hope to see Ralph or at least yeah. hear from him. So I remember you brought him into Innsmouth, and he, he seemed perfectly comfortable there, actually. Oh, yeah. oh he's he's a, he's a world traveler. Awesome. Yeah. So um, let's um, let's talk about Innsmouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe um, just throw sort of maybe a uh, an ice-breaking question. What were some of your first impressions when you first read, you know, Shadow Over Innsmouth? Um, I recognised it from a lot of <laughs> sea, sea towns and villages uh, close to where I came from, to be perfectly honest. I, I've heard that, 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 that a lot of ways, I mean, he was obviously describing New England, but I've heard that there's a lot of English coastal towns that, were oh, like yeah. that in the 20s or or even now oh, oh yeah, there's one still just down now. the road yeah there's one down the road from me now that i went there went through there the other week and i could you know if somebody told me there was a shoggoth slurping about in one of the disused warehouses i'd have believed it you know yeah. and it's still and the it's, case i mean i guess the prime example in some ways is dunwich the original dunwich mm. out on the east coast which has literally fallen into the sea or most of it um and it's a very interesting place to visit, though there's not an awful lot left now. Uh, I mean, I, I use that as a setting myself for, for some of my stories. But I think it is that combination of, what would you call it, sort of antiquated British seaside charm gone slightly to seed. And also that idea of... I, I, I was thinking about this earlier today. Did Lovecraft invent this trope of going to a, a town or a village and you're the outsider and there's strange things going on and everyone is against you. Because I, I can't think of any story before Shadow over Innsmouth that has that sort of feel to it. I mean, mm. it's been used a lot since. But is that another Lovecraft uh, invention? Mm. So I, I think he definitely codified it. Um, I think we see a little bit and, and we know that Lovecraft really liked Greek mythology. But I was thinking of that story where Zeus goes to the village uh, disguised and, right. and they, feed, uh, they feed him human flesh. Ah. Yeah, or was wolf flesh and wolf was, but I can't remember. But I don't know. If so, so, but I don't know. I, I, I definitely think it was unique at, the t at that time or rare. Yeah, yeah. And I... Tim mentioned earlier about Innsmouth being the character in that story, which I think yeah. is a great, great observation. Yeah, to me, it is the like, because Robert Olmsted is basically just a cipher for the readers, isn't he? He's, he's, you know, he's basically Lovecraft 
<laughs> but he's one of those characters that is just basically Lovecraft. And this could be any reader because he's not really that fleshed out. So that to me, the main character of that story is Innsmouth itself. And you can say that with a lot of Lovecraft stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, a lot and, of his stuff. Yeah. No, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, we don't even get his name from the story. His name comes no. from from the letters. Yes, very yeah, true. That's right. Very true. Yeah. yeah, I think that's quite typical of Lovecraft, though, isn't it? It's like yeah. people aren't important at the end of the day. Um, it's <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the least important element of any of his stories. Um, there's certainly a, a, certainly a seaside village. Um, me from where I grew up called Robin Hood's Bay which is mentioned in Dracula um, mm. um, that has people straight out of Innsmouth I mean just for an example one of the times I was there I was trying to find a cash machine just to get some money for. so I went into the post office which looked fairly modern and there were two people in there one that didn't speak the other one would only say one sentence to me um, and I I asked her where the cash machine was, and she replied, there is but one. Nice. So I, I, I asked her where it was. She said, there is but one. And, and this continued for several minutes before I decided just to back slowly towards the door. And leave. <laughs> I am freaked out. And I, I, I am freaked out. For that. My gosh. I still don't know what she meant or what she was trying to tell me. <laughs> but there is but one. <laughs> That's all I, you need to know. Young South off, maybe. I don't, I, yeah, don't yeah. Know, I don't know if you've ever seen it, David, over there. We had a TV series called The League of Gentlemen here, which is yes. like a sort of comedy series. Yes, yes. And that was set in, a, I guess it was a, a, an Innsmouthian kind of place, really, Royston Vasey. It wasn't on the coast, but it was very much that idea of small town weirdness uh and i'd recommend it to any listeners who haven't seen that if you can get hold of that so, and just to add something to that royston vasey is like the real name of a pretty bad comedian from this country he's a very blue comedian mm. called roy chubby brown and at yeah. the time that that was broadcast he was living in my town oh, and he had, cool. he had a pink house <laughs> <laughs> it's just bizarre <laughs> yeah, you could say this. You could say the same, like for Roy, Royce and Vasey about Craggy Island in Father Ted, because yes. I get full-on Innsmouth vibes sure. <laughs> from Father yeah. Ted. You know, with yeah. the, like the weird post office. The people in the post office are always trying to kill each other, yeah. and <laughs> the loony with the I shot JR T-shirt and all that. It's all a bit. <laughs> I, I just find it really interesting that with Robin Hood's Bay in particular, that Bram Stoker mentions it in Dracula. But it isn't the frightening place. It's just somewhere where they go and have lunch. And right. um, that's most peculiar to me. Interesting. Now, the whole concept of of a setting possibly being a, like a character, the first place I ever dawned on me was of all things Law & Order, where New York becomes this character and right. part of this ensemble. What do you think are some of maybe the characteristics of, of Innsmouth? I think when when you go back and look at that story, Lovecraft always has this reputation of lack of detail. Things are just indescribable and so on and so on. But I think actually when you look back at it, we get a huge amount of description and history and background and characters for Innsmouth, um, which... 
as a setting, it's very, very rich, given that it's quite a small sort of fishing town, really. There's incredible mm -hmm. richness of setting. And I guess Lovecraft uses it to establish tone and mood, which is obviously his main thrust in his stories, rather than developing the character to set up this mood, this increasing air of paranoia and, and wrongness. So for me, that's what I get from Innsmouth, is it already looks run down and decayed, but when you look even beyond that, there's even more strangeness and weirdness going on behind that sort of dilapidated facade, if you like. It's almost like um, a, a physical dilapidation, but a psychic or emotional dilapidation as well. Do you know what that reminded me of? You're just saying that the beginning sequence of Blue Velvet, where you have that... Mm. Um, that plastic superficial kind of society that you see and there's a guy watering his plants and he then has a stroke or a heart attack or something the dog starts trying to drink the water from the hose pipe and then he goes into the grass where we see beetles fighting <laughs> and um, mm -hmm. and, he, and, and, and and i don't know there was just something there that reminded me of that that under the surface there's even worse mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would definitely go along with that. And again, like like Rob just said about the um, about the description. I mean, there's some some beautiful descriptive passages when he's when he's coming in on the bus, and you can see like the, you know, like, like the crumbling spire and all that kind of business. So for me, the the biggest impression I get from it is the smell of pilchards. It just for some reason, it's like I'll read it. And, and I can smell the fish, which yeah. is a real, real yeah. testament yeah. to how well it is sketched out, you know. And, and also, just because my understanding, my memory, is Lovecraft hated fish. Mm. Yes. He, he, he just could not yes. eat it. He hated the smell. So, you know. Yeah. So, um, and I'm not sure if this is as an international term or if it's just sort of a U.S. literary term, but wainscoting. The idea, you know, oh, yeah. that Wayne's got where you've got this sort of... Uh, yeah, Wayne's coating on the walls. Yeah, Exactly. It, yeah. It this wallpaper. It's got something underneath, and then you start mm -hmm. pulling off, you see what's really behind. I think this is really one of the first examples of, of wainscoting. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah I, I can't think of any other setting as such that in such a short space of time gives you so much depth and so much scope from there to, to go on and create other things from that. I mean, obviously people talk about Middle Earth or we've got the Hyborian Age and those things, but those are um, sort of global, if you like, world building, whereas this is all contained in one very small place. Yeah, yeah it, it, excellent it, point. Yeah, it, it never gets dull, does it? Innsmouth is always creepy and always scary and always fun and all these things. <laughs> I see, because obviously Lovecraft was a big fan of uh, people like M.R. James, and M.R. James did the similar thing, but it was always a house, yeah. or a church, or a library. Yeah. Um, so to have it as as this whole town is is yeah, to me it's like one of the first examples to me of it, of basically a whole town being sort of malignant, and uh, you know, like you're saying, scratch the surface and something nasty will come out. You probably with lots of eyes and tentacles. <laughs> Um, yeah, or, or, or a giant hand-shaped wave is going to come out of the water and slap you. Yeah, yeah. Well, then that, there's something else we've not mentioned yet, actually, because you've got this, you, you've got the town itself, but then you've got the sea as well, with all mm. its attendant depths and mysteries and horrors and terrors. So it's the combination of those. I mean, Innsmouth on its own would be enough 
But then we've got the, the whole ocean to add to that as well and the mysterious depths and what lurks there. So the two combined, it's like, you know, it's it's double the, the terror, isn't it, really? No, absolutely. And, and, and again, I love talking guys get a sort of an international perspective but in the 20s america and i'm assuming the rest of the world was going away from whales oil which was this huge financial boom to the coastal economies and they were sort of changing from whales oil to kerosene it's crippling these economies and i, I imagine that was also international I, I guess, yeah. About it. I, I've never thought of it like that because we we don't tend to think that's like the, the Nantucket sleigh ride, right, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, right? Exactly. That was a huge part of the economy there. So I suppose in the twenties there was that general depression, wasn't there? Anyway, across the sort of industrialized nations. Exactly. Uh, so not only was it losing its economy, New England was losing its identity. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good. It's point. Similar to what yeah. happened over here with the coal mines, I imagine. Um, yeah, because obviously we are, are a lot of our culture sprung up from mining communities and these coal mines and slack heaps and all this kind of stuff. So when that started fading off, there was just this massive depression. All the people on the dole, nobody knew what to do with themselves. It was like basically the, their lives and lives and livelihoods had just been sort of taken away. So I imagine it's what you guys had with the whale oil thing was very similar to what we had with the fossil fuels and all that. Oh, kind that of stuff. would make such a great story. You know, there's some little mining town with some god, outer god on the bottom of it. Oh, done it several times. Which was a big mine in uh, <laughs> territory. And I've got like the Hollow Hills cycle, which is all set around a mining community called Hollow Hills. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> it's one of isn't, isn't, that, isn't that a general Lovecraftian idea as well, that these... Uh, these places go into decline and the people go into decline and somehow they devolve. Yes. You, you know, we see this in, in sort of Dunwich and the, these sort of... Uh, in inverted Rats commas. in the wall. Yeah, yeah. In these backwards yeah, places, yeah. They, once they start declining economically, the people also go into mm. this sort of spiritual decline. Yeah, because a lot of them are actually start, uh, are said to have been prosperous beforehand, weren't they? A lot of these places, like Innsmouth was supposed to be a big flourishing port and Arkham mm. was supposed to have been like this seat of learning and enlightenment and all this kind of business, but they've all seen better days. So, yeah, that's the mod moral and sociological decline, yeah. I, I, think, I think we're going through a similar thing now, certainly with the fishing industry, that's going. Um, yes. Yeah, if it hasn't true. already gone um, by yeah. the time this goes out. But we've yeah. just lost a lot of the steel industry as well. Um, so a lot of a lot of the same kind of coastal kind of towns from where I was from were also involved in fishing at one point. Uh, they had been involved in whaling, um, and um, and they were involved in making steel. So that particular area is just um, pretty much lost, pretty much everything. Yeah. You know, as we're talking, it kind of reminds me of the original 1970s uh, Wicker Man. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. It's almost like modern society has failed them, so they're going to go back to these darker roots, perhaps, whether that be, you know, paganism or whatever uh, people want to call it. And, of course, in the Lovecraft world, there's roots beyond the roots, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tentacles beyond yeah. the roots. 
<laughs> I think there's echoes of it in Dark Shadows as well. Uh, that wasn't yes. a TV program that we we got over here, but uh, I've been watching it on Amazon Prime. And again, you have that same thing where you've got a fishing industry that seems to be going down, and then vampires suddenly turning up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So. I love having you guys. We are kind of running out of time. So I'm going to ask you, though, this is the show's signature question. Um, if you had one project, any creative project, you don't have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about trademarks. You got one dream project. What would it be? Oh, I think for me, it would be an authentic Robert E. Howard Conan series. Mm. Uh Nice. Having just watched the Reacher series on Amazon, I'm, I'm quite a big Lee Child's Reacher fan and have done an excellent job. It's one of the best book-to-TV adaptations I've seen. If I could do the same for the, the authentic Conan Robert E. Howard, I'd, I'd be uh, happy with that. Oh, wow, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be mine, I think. Uh, I would like to, uh, to <laughs> become left field here. I would like to build uh, an interactive Lovecraft experience. You know, <laughs> I think it'd be awesome. You know, kind of like like you have these escape rooms and things like that, but on a massive scale. Like, I'd like to find some little spit of land, like in the Outer Hebrides or somewhere, and build like an interactive Innsmouth, because I think Ooh. that'd be great fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a film that I was making, oh God, about twelve years ago now and uh, it totally ran out of money mm. and uh, we didn't finish it um, there's only the first two minutes um, available that you can see on youtube as it happens it was called the devil and herge gauche um, and at one point we had um, sir ian mckellen oh. um, lined up to do the voices but that kind of didn't work out um but, um, yeah, my friend Les Simpson, who was in Dog Soldiers and Descent, he did the uh, he did the voices for it and did a fantastic job. And I would Ooh, wow. love to go back and finish making it. Um, actually do it stop motion rather than the CG that it is. I think sure. that one was full of alchemy and, and um, metaphysics and stuff. Excellent. And just, uh, you know, I know you guys all have, you know, your fingers in a lot of pies here, but are there maybe some projects that uh, that our listeners too can check in now or in the near future? We just released about about two months back our latest Innsmouth Gold anthology, which is called Corridors. And that's set. It's a post-apocalyptic setting where humanity is retreated underground uh, but it's all tied in with the mythology of the King in Yellow, Chambers King in Yellow. So it's a little bit unclear as to what actually is happening. I think we've got 12 or 13 stories from some names I'm sure your listeners will recognise based around that setting. And uh, that's that's been our, late, our latest project, which uh, people can find at innsmouthgold.com. I'm really pleased with that one. That's a great collection of King in Yellow stories. Excellent. I'll, I'll have DB put some links up there. Uh, any other uh, dual products uh, you'd like to talk about? Uh, yeah, I've I've just put the finishing touch. Aside from my my personal work, I've put the finishing touches to an anthology, which will probably be interesting for your listeners. Uh, I edited it and stuff like that, and um, it's uh, Musketeers versus Cthulhu. Oh, nice. And, uh, 
and again, it's it's going to contain a lot of people that your your listeners are probably probably familiar with. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's been a bit of a labour of love. Black Ink Fiction kind of just let me off the leash and said, "I'll oh, just just go and do it." <laughs> I think they got <laughs> tired of me pestering them. They're just kind of like, "Just just do it, <laughs> just do it." So I've done it, and uh, that's coming out. That was, well, it, nothing's concrete yet, but it should be out the end of May, beginning of June. Okay, excellent. And we'll we'll try to. Uh get some links out there too when it comes up uh, and as a spin-off from that my big project at the moment is that i'm working on a comic strip um version um of something that dr chris mccauley the uh, writer um has developed from one of his stories that's going in tim's collection so uh, that's my next year i think it's a comic series oh excellent well there is you know, you, you you guys are hitting kind of like all my favorite stuff. Lovecraft, <laughs> Chambers, comics, uh, Musketeers, the 30 Year War. I mean, you guys seem to be hitting all of them. And we'll definitely, you know, um, we will definitely uh, keep our audience posted. And I will uh, safely guide you past the, 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 the 20 uh, hungry goats here. <laughs> oh yes, they, they uh, they're, they're nibbling, they're nibbling at my fingers. Yep. <laughs> they, 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 they think your toes make milk. <laughs> Tim's do. That's the weird thing. Tim's toes actually do make milk. Yeah, they <laughs> it's do. It's a little yeah. known fact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a great show, guys. Thank you so much. I, I, ju I just want to say, David, thanks very much for having us on and supporting mm -hmm. us. And we'd love to have you guys back in Intimate soon at some time as well. We'll have to organize a, a, a visit again. Excellent. Definitely. Now, uh, we're planning on, unless on all that, we're planning on releasing this Friday, next Friday. Brilliant. Brilliant. Excellent. And also, I'll keep you in, uh, in mind, Zeph. We're going to be, so um, you guys know who uh, Ken Hyde is? Oh yes! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm working. Ken. I'm working with Ken and uh, oh, uh, Derek Coke uh, from Monster Kid Radio. Oh, excellent! And nice. we're going to try to convince the um, uh, HP Lovecraft Film Festival to let us do a uh, cosmic horror Robert E. Howard. Oh, uh, panel. Ooh, nice. And so. Um, Definitely. I, I mean, that's not until like October, but definitely, I think we'll be doing a whole bunch of of Howard stuff to to to, to hype that up. Oh, looking forward to that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, oh, so I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. And congratulations on your Ramsey Campbell interview as well. Oh, I, thank I, you. I caught that. Mm. That was a great interview. Really oh, enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah I, I mean. You know, they tell you not to meet your heroes, but he's just such a pleasant, nice person. I'm like, ah, oh, 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 oh. but yeah, no, it's, thank you very much. Hey, everyone, we are back. Dave. Oh, okay, and the answer to the question? Yeah. The island that I own one square foot of uh -huh. is Hawaii 2. Oh, ye, Hawaii 2? That's the name of Hawaii and then the number two. That's I own one square foot of an island off the coast of Maine called Hawaii 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
that broke my brain for a moment. I was like, wait, what? Huh? Okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about the Hyperboreans today. The Hyperboreans, as opposed to the Mellow Chillboreans. Yeah. Or are we talking about the High... No, no, no. We're not talking about Hyborians. We're talking about Hyperborea. So uh, Yes. So, and I have to admit... Uh, for a long time when I was young, I thought they were the same place. I, I still get them confused. <laughs> yes, you do. So what's the difference between Hyborean and Hyperborean first before we get any further? Okay, so Hyboria is Robert E. Howard. Okay. And this is the combined continents uh, after Atlantis sank, mm-hmm. before the continents broke up, uh, where um, Conan takes place. Okay. All right. Hyperborea is Clark Ashton Smith. Okay. And I have to admit, of the two, I probably know less. And I think that's sort of the great part of sin is that I think most Cthulhu Mythillians know less about Smith mm-hmm. than than other people. Okay. But he didn't create the term. Hyboria. Okay. Or Hyperborea. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That was a Greek concept of basically, you know, Borea is the north, Hyper is above. So if you keep going above north, uh-huh. you're going to find this beautiful sort of tropical island. Gotcha. Uh, even during Greek and Roman times, mm-hmm. many people thought it was a myth. Okay. Others thought it might have been early legends of England. Gotcha. Um, so, so Smith sets it, though, in what is now Iceland, from oh. Greenland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. and that's where I first come across it, is the called uh, Chaosium, you know, Adventures, yeah. uh, the Trails of Sothogwa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, that's where I first ran into Hyper, uh, Hyperboreans. But there was a person who really believed in Hyperborea. Okay. And that is Madame Bablowski. Ooh. <laughs> so, so, so Helena Bablowski uh, really is the great-grandmother of a lot of what is now New Age thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Lovecraft, and I don't, I'm sure Smith, I don't... We know Lovecraft and, and Robert E. Howard uh-huh. loved Madame Bolosky. Yeah. They thought she was a fake, but they loved her ideas. Sure, yeah. Um, and so there's no doubt to think that Clark Allen's Ashton Smith believed it too, mm-hmm. or not believed it, but, but was aware of it. Yeah. Um, and she basically kept this idea that some Hyperborea was, you know, in, in the Antarctic. Okay. And that people came up from the center of the earth um, and sort of uh, colonized, you know, colonized um, the world. And this is going to be really influential in the, um, the Cthulhu mythos yeah. so much that my cop, you know, so the book of Dizan, right? Yeah. Comes up almost as often as Necronomica. Uh-huh. So this is a book that she claims has all the ancient wisdom. <sighs> yeah. Lovecraft didn't create the book of Dizan. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, 
Blavlovsky basically claims it is real. Now, it's so influential in the writings of the, you know, the Cthulhu mythos mm-hmm. that my copy of her writings, the Book of Dizon, mm-hmm. is printed by Chaosium. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no, and uh, this is where we get like uh, the the various ages of people, and like further back you go, the closer to energy we are, and what prompted the Nazis to try and breed thunder chickens and stuff like that. Thule, Thule, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Thule Society and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm never sure if it's the E is printed. Some people pronounce the E, some people don't. I, I like to say Thule because it reminds me of Zool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, yeah. So, okay. Oh, with all that out of the way, how do we make a Dungeons & Dragons game Hyperborean besides just placing it in a cold northern environment? Like, uh, what, what would we say? Like, I guess, like, maybe we would say that the Hyperborean technology level is that of uh, the Bronze Age or the Stone Age? Uh, yeah, I would I would put around Greeks. Okay, all right. I, I kind of think of sort of a uh, Viking Greeks kind sure, of. Sure, sure, yeah. But um, how how? how? Uh, no, sorry. And, and you know that's I don't know much about. Uh, I'm gonna have to bring out some more books and read obvious sure, sure. on this. But I think that a lot of your um, players are not going to be uh, as familiar with the Hyborian cycle. Sure, sure. Um, what is very uh, tied to the Hyborian cycle mm-hmm. are specific deities. Okay, let's hear about those deities, Dave. Well, uh, and we've talked about uh, Achenach. Achnachja. Mm-hmm. Atlachnacha? Uh, yeah. Aboth. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Ubo um, Sophia. Mm-hmm. So. Sathagwa. Sathagwa, yes. And so we're getting at a lot of, I think, um, a, 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 I think the Seven Gaius is, mm-hmm. is set in the Hyborian Age. Okay. So, um, wait a minute. Are we talking about Hyborian or Hyperborean? Hyperborean. Okay. Excuse me. Okay. Thank no you problem. for correcting. So, <laughs> it, it, so, so, um, there are some things that are very. There's Clark Ashen Smith D and D, and no Clark Ashen Smith DNA in D and D. Okay. Sure. And we see that is that there is in the 80s mm-hmm. a Clark Ashton Smith themed inspired module. Yeah. Uh, the Castle de Amber. But... Which is more of his Avion. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it still takes some things I think from um, from uh, um, Hyperborea. Okay. All right. So if I was going to run a, a specifically Hyperborean campaign, uh huh, I'd lower the tech. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd lower uh, 
make plate mail like very rare. Yeah, yeah. No telescopes, no no water clocks. <laughs> mm. Um yeah, no, no. Uh definitely I, I, I like that idea. And like a lot more hide armor, a lot more that kind of stuff. But also you can throw in the Vormi. Uh you can use them yeah. instead of like say goblins or orcs or yeah. bugbears, but uh, the Vormi, the orange, yeah. uh, Bigfoot type people. Uh, more magic. Yeah, yeah, more magic. Um, I, I guess I would say more magic and uh, less. I, I guess in some ways, Hyborian, Hyperborean would be kind of like maybe a cold. If if Dark Sun, if the Dark Sun's campaign setting was cold <laughs> or swampy and chilly, um, yeah, it's it's more like Sorcerer Kings. It's I, I mean, I'm like th- listing off. It's like weird beasts, Sorcerer Kings. Um, just, just very, yeah. No, if if you haven't checked out the Dark Suns setting, check out the Dark Suns setting. I, that's what I would use for like armor and weapons and stuff like that. There's a lot of like leather armor, bone armor, uh, metal armor is exceedingly rare and extremely expensive. But yeah, yeah, and and magic is even more so because not only does like you know is is magic pretty prevalent, but also psionics are fairly prevalent. And I have a feeling that like. I don't know. I I feel like Hyperborea might be the place that psionics really shine in D and D, because I don't know. People don't want to play psionicist in Forgotten Realms. <laughs> you know, it's it's it, give them a setting that has like a lot of psionics in it already, where everyone's a psionicist, um, like in Dark Sun. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I. I I, I I can see certain beasts being far more prevalent, and and actually more like magical beasts being far more prevalent, as opposed to say like aberrations and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't so know. If it, if it's true to Clark Ashton Smith, mm-hmm. I think it would be an all-human campaign. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the other thing I wanted to talk about is like uh for your humanoids like you would have like your uh you could have like your lizard people from iram or your your amphibious people from iram you could have uh i don't know there's a lot of different things but i do really think it would be all about like sorcery it would uh not not so much uh like thieves yeah yeah thieves uh sorcery uh, not as much mages, uh, clerics, of course, of the Outer Gods. Um, but that's Clark Ashton Smith's Outer Gods. Uh, warlocks. Yeah, warlocks. Yeah. yeah. Warlocks. Um, and, and so everybody powerful is going to have, is going to be a mage or have a mage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, bards, you can get bards anywhere. I mean, somebody's got to tell the story. Definitely, definitely. Someone has to tell everyone what happened to uh, Zampras, Gavaro, or who, mm. <laughs> whoever. And uh, let's not forget, we also have uh, intelligent slimes uh, like the... Oh, goodness. Uh, 
like the uh, thing that is a representative of Sathagua that is in uh, haunting the the ancient capital. Um, yes, ruins ancient societies <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's um, another thing. Um, yeah, no, no, I want to say like uh, I, I I've always like kind of imagined. Uh, hyperborean kind of like uh babylonian but with magic you know it's it's like there's and m- maybe maybe some myth my- mythical monsters thrown in um I, I i would use a lot more like dire beasts and stuff like that from you know being like oh yeah back then things were just bigger uh, <laughs> there's there's stuff like that that i would throw in of course um and and of course, uh, I, I would uh, seek out anything uh, from the seven geese and throw that into there. Not the seven geese, the seven geese. The seven, seven gooses. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you have to say about uh, Hyperborea, Dave? No, other than you know, um, I am kind of surprised, mm-hmm. and maybe. Uh, I I'm think, but I'm, I'm well. You know, he lived longer than the others. Sure, sure. I was thinking that Clark Ashton Smith is public domain, but his stuff probably isn't as public domain no, as, I, no. as the others. But I'm I'm surprised that um, someone hasn't come ahead and sort of. And like I said, there's been some attempts. Mm-hmm. There's definitely been, especially early first gen D and D modules that were greatly influenced oh, by yeah. his writings. Yeah. Uh, gelatinous cubes mm-hmm. and but uh but yeah i can say i'm surprised there's maybe not more sort of uh clark ashton smith branded uh role-playing games out there other than you know it probably is a uh trademark slash uh copyright thing oh yeah yeah and uh, the thing i think uh reason why we don't have so much hyperborean uh rpgs out there and i swear i've seen one that was just called hyperborea uh, i can't remember who it was produced by i it, it may have been hyperborea but uh there's there's just not enough information in clark ashton smith stories in my opinion to really flesh out a hyperborea I, I believe that um, you can really kind of flesh out uh, Mount Vormitha Dreth and everything underneath of it, uh, as in the Seven Geish. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't feel like we have like a Tolkien-esque uh, view of Hyperborea. We don't get uh, like travelogues like, shoot, Robert E. Howard wrote stuff about Hyborea that really you know, gave you some ideas in history, and I don't feel like Clark Ashton Smith did that. I think it's 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 almost like, well, you read Bavlosky, didn't you? Uh, you know, it's like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 just it feels like there's something missing. Like Clark Ashton Smith forgot to write something that would have made it so that that would have been just an amazing campaign setting. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But- well, he, and the one thing, and and one of the things that, and the, you're right, there was a Hyboria which was more Lovecraftian than, but it did have Clark Out Smith, and mm-hmm. more influenced though, probably by the comics of um, 
Conan than, yeah. than any of the, the 20 to 30 writings. But the Robert E. Howard started off, and, and there's a, a Conan in the age of, uh, you know, um, the Hiberian Age mm-hmm. by Modiphius is probably the best, in my opinion, um, fantasy setting role playing game out in the market now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like it much better than 5e, and I, I'm a huge fan of 5e. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Robert E. Howard did is he started out with an essay on the land. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, real and so you're right. He's, he's yeah. got, so they've got not only do all these Conan and then later Conan stories to go through, they have this, you know, uh, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of word essay uh-huh. about Conan, and it might be too that if uh, Clark Asher Smith did the same, we'd see more. Yeah. And the other thing is, do we really need to reinvent the window wheel? No, no. You know, when you can take Clark Ashton Smith's ideas and use them in a mechanic setting sure. like GURPS or uh, or, or d d Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I personally feel that probably uh, Hyperborea would make a good D&D setting and pretty good uh, GURPS setting too. I don't know. Uh, part of me is like, oh man, I love GURPS. It's it's the percentile system. It's, and then the other part of me is like, but I know D and D. I like the back of my hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think those would be both really good uh, settings for uh, the Hyborian Age or Hyperborean Age. And uh, yeah, no, no. I feel like you could also even like, um, you can throw in some high-tech stuff like high-tech MacGuffins with the Hyperborean Age, I feel. It's 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 like something like um, Expedition to Barrier uh, Barrier Peak, I think is the name of the D&D, with the crashed spaceship. Spaceship. Yeah. That's the spaceship. Oh. Yeah, I, I feel like you could do that with uh, Hyper, uh, Hyperborean because the, it's... The, the Lost City one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like you could do that kind of stuff with uh, Hyperborean because of the fact that um, there's like magics that are beyond the knowing of of, of people. There's there's like uh, interdimensional passageways that uh, wizards escape through, sorcerers escape through. There's there's like this knowledge that space is out there and exists. And that there's like magic ways to do it, but I'm sure if like the Hi- Hyperboreans had a little bit more knowledge of the galaxy, of the world, of how things work, they'd just be like, "Oh, that's just that's 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 just travel. That's just uh, high tech travel. That's just laser weapons. That's just uh, it's not magic. Yeah, that's it's science. It's science. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. I I, I could see like. Uh, Oh goodness, uh, what's the name of that super famous uh, sorcerer in the Hyperborean? Uh, uh, Ivan. Yeah, Ivan. Ivan. Book I'm... of Ivan. 
uh, Eben, wh whichever one we want to go with. Um, like stuff from the Book of Ibon, Book of Eben, whichever stories involving that. Great sources for uh, Hyperborean Again, there is a huge book of Eben by Chaosium. Yes. That is a great source. If you want to just start reading it to get ideas for a D&D &D game, oh, that's yeah. a great yeah, book. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's mainly Smith, but a lot of Price and a lot of people came in afterwards. Yeah, and it's a rather as their as their trade paperbacks go, it's a pretty thick one. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites. It uh, feels like it. it yeah, no, no, it, it it feels like a campaign setting book almost because how much it goes into what Ivan is, uh, who, who, who Ivan is. Um, like Ibon discussing the Cthulhu mythos and his works and stuff like that. I believe there's some, uh, uh, oh good. Um, I can't remember the names off the top of my head, so I'm gonna keep moving. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I um, Clark Ashton Smith and uh, uh, Price. Uh, yeah, no, no, uh, I, I believe uh, there's a lot of like uh, Price, at the beginning of the story, like saying, oh, this is what it's about. And then it's Clark Ashton Smith, but um, not Lynn. Oh, oh I'm going to have to cut this part out because there's like a name on the tip of my tongue who was involved in some of those stories. That I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Mm, I'm like looking. And I don't have my coffee in here. <laughs> the Book of Evil. Let's see if this tells me who is in. Let's see if this gives me a little. Lynn Carter. Lynn Carter. That's the name that I kept saying, thinking Lynn Carter, and I'm like, that's not right. That's not right. But yeah, no, there's so much Lynn Carter in there, and the Lynn Carter that is in there, it feels like stuff for a supplement. It's, 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 yeah. it, it, it feels like handouts for like a Call of Cthulhu game. It's, it's, it's like prayers. It's like stuff that you would expect to find in the Book of Ibon, but translated multiple times from. Uh, I don't know from uh, Greek to French. Latin. Yeah, I was gonna say from uh, from Latin to French to English, or yeah, uh, the Greek translation uh, poorly translated into English. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. And um, as as I've talked about, and Ken Heights talked about, Lynn Carter, not the greatest writer, but writing stuff that other people can go. That's cool. I can turn that into an RPG. That's cool. I'll turn that into a couple of chapters in a book. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Lynn Carter, Hyperborean Extreme. So, yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to do your own Hyperborean campaign, I highly recommend picking up the Book of Ibon by Chaosium. 
and any Clark Ashton Smith you can find. I don't think you have to read the Book of Zahn uh, to really get this stuff. And I, I don't think you need to read any Pavlotsky. Uh, I actually recommend against it. And, <laughs> but check out any Clark Ashton Smith. Check out any, you know, it's, it feels like, Hyperborean feels kind of like it could be a precursor to like uh, any lands, like the land that existed where Greyhawk is now. Like Hyperborean is like a campaign setting thousands of years before your, you know, standard D&D campaign setting is, is what I feel. And what I think could be easily done if you just kind of like, you know, lower the tech, take out most of the monsters, bring in some replacements. You know, just make it slimes, giant spiders, uh, Bigfoots, and uh, humans. <laughs> and, and and especially uh, the Eldritch uh, Warlock. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because not only do they get zappy powers with mm -hmm. the Eldritch Blast, they get um, mind reading and psionics. Ooh. So I think that's uh, they make a good setting. Uh, definitely, at least the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I can't think of anything else to talk about with uh, Hyperborea. No, other than that, I guess to close off and say that with these new um, new raisin uh, uh, subsidies, everybody should go out and invest in raisins. Yeah, yeah. Legal yeah. disclaimer. People's Guide to Cthulhu Mythos does not give out true or factual inside trading information. No. And despite the complaints of many little goats, do not invest all your money in just raisins. Nope. Um, yes. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the show today. Music was by me, D.B. Spitzer, uh, written and edited by D.B. Spitzer and David Heath. You know, the, the, we spend we spend weeks writing an episode. I don't know if you know that or not, but literally so much time goes into sitting down and writing. I mean, I I don't know how I, I might as well copy and paste how many times we're uh, stage directions say for us to say, um, and then be quiet for two seconds. But, you know, we thank you for listening. And also, if you like listening and want to help the show, copper cow coffee today i experimented and i threw two bags into a mason jar filled it up Ooh. and then tomorrow i'm gonna have it as cold brew but then i also took one of my lavender coffees tore it open threw it into an espresso cup and then uh put the uh, espresso maker on the stove because i have one of those italian uh little espresso pots so good uh so i take it apart I put the copper cow into the mesh bin that then is pressurized with the water and then the uh, water and steam is forced through into the upper cup. It was the best coffee I have had in a billion years, but I love espresso. I want to party with you. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, copper cow, put it in your espresso maker. You can make... Uh, goodness uh cold brew coffee and of course the pour over that it's famous for i highly recommend it copper cow check the notes to find out anything else about anything else we're shilling these days uh, i still have to say check out donner uh for guitars keyboards and uh, musical accessories if you have a student learning an instrument donner will set you up with a deal 
a Donner deal. All right. And I believe that's it for People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Dave, do you know what we have coming up next week? So I know that we have a special surprise for our audience. Not only are we going to have an interview, but we are going to have a reading of a soon to be out uh, horror short story about urban myths, uh, urban legends. Ooh. Well, if you don't know what uh, next week is, I will tell you in a riddle. Not a riddle. Uh, I'll give you some clues. We're going to be talking about a god that is an animal, a vegetable, and a mineral all at the same time. And we're going to be talking about a lost pillared city that we believe. Um, Abdul Al Hazred visited at one point in time. What is Oxnard, California? Oh my goodness, you got it, Dave. And that is oddly enough the answer for both questions. Oxnard, California is the god who's an animal, vegetable, and a mineral. And Oxnard, California is also where Abdul Al. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you next time, everyone. Love to all my 805 homies. 805. And uh, shout out to all my 503 homies. <laughs> and my 206s and my 360s. That's uh, Seattle down to Port. Oh, that's, that's Seattle down to California. But <laughs> That's that's a good chunk of the West Coast. Uh, yeah. We have a lot of friends. We do have a lot of friends. So thank you again for being our friend, and we'll see you next time, everyone. Can I get a bye? Bye. All right. That was a good show. Okay. Hey, everyone. This is DB. This is, uh, while I'm editing this show this week, uh, Friday, the 29th of uh, April. I just want to apologize if this show is a bit rambly or if it's a bit off. My medications were adjusted recently and I got put on new medication and I am adjusting to it. So I'm trying not to sleep all the time and I'm trying not to be manic all the time. So it's somewhere in between there and we'll find a happy medium sooner than later. Hopefully my meds will level out and uh, yeah, it's not an excuse. It's just telling you what's going on and why this show may sound kind of slow at points. <laughs> All right. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. Copper Cow Coffee. Oh, man, have I had some Copper Cow today. And uh, this is, this is you know, just, just a quick hidden little commercial. I can, I, I've been taking the Copper Cow, throwing it in a mason jar, putting some uh, filtered water in it, closing it up, leaving it in the fridge for 12 hours. Boom. Cold brew coffee measured out all ready to go not gonna get too buzzed not gonna feel i don't have enough caffeine but yeah copper cow coffee thank you so much and we'll see you next time i I don't know if there's a little secret part or not but listen in three two i'm really excited to get you guys input Um, it's a it's a pleasure yeah definitely yeah, and and so here's a couple of things. And normally I try to give you guys a little heads up what I'd like to talk about, but of course this is is in the mouth, and you guys are the expert. But the <laughs> other thing that I'd like to kind of maybe bring up a talk that comes up in the conversation is just Lovecraft's idea of setting. Yes, just mm-hmm. the whole concept, and maybe any personal ideas you guys got setting. Well, I think Innsmouth is 
possibly his greatest setting. I mean, I guess we can say Dreamlands is probably the the widest in scope, perhaps. Yeah. But, but I, just some ideas of something to think out. Well, yeah. we, we were talking a lot about Salem, weren't we? Um, the last recording. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Arkham basically being Salem, so I think. Yeah, it's pretty much a cipher, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, the way I see the Lovecraft's settings, then the, it's like Innsmouth to me is actually a main character. Innsmouth yeah. is the main character yeah. of Shadow over Innsmouth. It's not yeah. uh, Olmsted. He's just a cipher for the reader. It, the, the town itself is the is the star. Exactly. And I I love the idea of of settings as characters. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So here's my thought. Since last time I visited Innsmouth. I thought we'd have you guys visit Oleander. And oh. so here's my here's my idea. So right now I am about to walk into the living room where I have 20 baby goats. So <laughs> let's see, let's see. And this is just a practice. So I know we're recording, but this is for the show. Let's just see if they make any noise. I think they will because they're gonna think they're gonna get some, even though I just fed them, I think they're gonna think they're gonna get milk from the phone. But let's see if they make any noise if you guys can hear it. Oh nice. Guys, no, you're not making any noise. Oh, you should be. <laughs> is this really happening, or is this like all? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> David lives on a working farm. They've just had twenty. Oh wow! Twenty kids. <laughs> oh, here's a little. Oh, there's one. I want to hear his support rooster. Oh, there we go. Okay, so yeah, um, I just fed them. So they're if if I if I'd done it before I fed them, they would have been really loud. <laughs> they're a little docile now, I guess, after feeding. I love goats; they're fantastic. Yeah, I oh, do. Brilliant. They tend to start following me around though for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm like yeah, the pie beard, I, 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 I know why. <laughs> I, I I know why. They think you have food. <laughs> ah. I'm serious. That's, that's it. They think you have food, or they think that you will rub them. <laughs> I, I, I think they're one of his kin. <laughs> I think that's why they follow me because we've both got goatees. So, you know. <laughs> and and Tim is Mr. Mendes as well. So you indeed. know, there's, there's a natural affinity there. I should think. Okay. All right. Well then. Um, okay. Um, we'll see when we walk by. We'll see if they make any noise this time. Um, but, um, all right. Um, unless you guys have any questions, we'll go ahead and start. I'm good. Oh, I'm good. All right.